Welcome to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. On this show, we interview agritourism farmers, authors, leaders, and influencers who share their insights on growing and monetizing your agritourism business. Here's your host, Dustin Reed. Hi, this is Dustin from Curb and Turf. You're listening to The Recurring Plot. Today, we have a truly special guest with us. She's the embodiment of passion, perseverance, and the pursuit of excellence in winemaking. We're pleased to have Susie Selby, the founder of Selby Wine, nestled in the heart of Healdsburg, California. Thanks so much for joining us today, Susie. The pleasure is mine, Dustin. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is mine, and you look fabulous. And let me just tell you Thank that. you. That's all that matters, really. Who cares how I sound? <laughs> so if you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see her vibrance, her you know, everything that's going oh, no, on right I'll now. show them vibrance today. <laughs> no so problem. We're really excited to have you because a lot of people on our show really want to know how to make recurring income or make income from their property. And we feel like you're a great candidate of that. And and just for those, our listeners that may not know your story, can you give us a little bit background on how you started in the winemaking industry? Well, it was very unexpected. My dad was a famous spine surgeon in Dallas, and he always wanted to be in the wine industry. And so he used to travel to Sonoma County, which is the most beautiful place to make wine in all of the world, and wanted to buy a vineyard and a winery and used to take me and my sisters with him to do this. And he also traveled internationally, so he had exposure to a lot of wines. He was a very, very famous surgeon. And he decided that if he was going to buy a winery and a vineyard, then he needed one of the four daughters to be interested in the pursuit. So I chose it and came out to wine country and worked for a very large winery just under an apprenticeship program. So I do have a degree in economics from Vanderbilt and an MBA from George Washington. And I had been in the fitness industry in sales and marketing. So I had a marketing background. And I would say to any entrepreneur that it is always better to have a sales background and go into a new industry than the opposite. So I already knew how to sell. It was something a little different, but then I learned I was supposed to be, I was originally hired for marketing, but I learned how to drive the forklift and I was <laughs> exceptionally awesome at it. I think all my video games at Vanderbilt paid off. And <laughs> so, and you know, my MBA helped a little bit, but that was just sort of fun at, in DC, whatever. So I learned how to make wine. My dad and I started Selby together. Sadly, he used to come up, he would, he and my mom would come up and he'd sort of blend wine and taste. He was never a winemaker. But I used to joke around, or I still do, that that his primary job when we started the winery was that he and his friends were drinking all of our profits, and they were <laughs> really good at it. They're outstanding at it. So we started Selby. We were into two vintages of it, and we only we started 150 cases of wine. And he sadly, at the age of 62, died of an aneurysm. And it was, it was tragic and unexpected. And my mother did not want to have anything to do with the wine industry. And as much as I hate to say this to anybody out there who's an entrepreneur, I highly don't recommend the wine industry. It is a tough industry. Financially, it is very, very difficult. But, you know, I made it work. And the, the way I was able to make it work is after he passed away, 
I decided to stay in the industry. I kept my, I had a very, very good job with a winery and I rented a warehouse. And instead of putting all of my money into bricks and mortar, which is the typical thing people do, I had, I didn't have to tie up capital because I had no capital to tie up. And I rented a warehouse and made wine and basically did all the positions there were. I was the national sales manager and the tastery manager and the, you know, the warehouse manager and still had my job at the other, I did wear all the hats and, and I kept my job at the big winery and, and just worked really hard. And at one point in time in my life, I would have claimed, I would have, I would have claimed against anybody internationally that I was the hardest working person in the wine industry. So I made it work. And I, to this day, the ending to this story is I still have no partners or investors. So it's been nice. a, it's been an interesting ride and financially it's been challenging. That's an interesting in itself. And we'll, we'll, I'll probably ask about that a little later about not being solo. And, um, so oh, wait, I have a cat. It's not terrible. <laughs> well, I, he's a yeah, great I mean, cat too. If you were friendly, I'd show him to you. <laughs> well, I mean, so it sounds like you had a lot of obviously challenges, not only with your the passing of your father. Was there some resistance from your mother just because of? And I know, and if this oh, is too oh, no. sensitive the, of a topic, I don't. Oh, no, I don't no. Wanna... The resistance is that she's smart. And, and I mean, the <laughs> wine industry is not a good investment. Right. And, and I mean, truly, when your husband passed away, I think he actually was 61. But but when something that unexpected happens, it's human nature to not want to take risk. And again, right. I, I don't know of a riskier industry, maybe horse racing. I don't know. You know, maybe investing in movies or rappers. I don't know. But I'm just saying that it is a really risky industry. So, so it's, it's completely understandable that that transpired, but I was definitely on my own. So I'm a, I'm a rich to rag, rich to rag story. Right. Being successful, you had to kind of see through that. I mean, so what, what inspired you well, to continue? Well, whoever despite... said I was successful. <laughs> well, I assume, I okay, assume you are because no, I seen your, I seen your Instagram and you're hanging out with some wide receivers <laughs> from know. my from my favorite football team. So, oh, uh, are you a Mike is, Evans fan? Yeah, I love Mike Evans. Yeah, that was only two weeks ago. It was fun. I know. I was. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, "That's Mike Evans." I Go live ahead. hand to mouth, but I get to do a lot of really cool things. <laughs> so then, like you, then you Mike are Evans. successful. I, I would yes, consider I that successful. So if you're having hang out with Mike Evans, I mean, I don't even know how to get a hold of him. So what inspired you to continue on despite the passing of your father? Oh, with the wine loved winemaking. It's fun. It's fun. I love the industry. You know, the, the wine industry is a very simple industry. You're creating something, but, you know, it's art, science, and nature at its finest. And there's nothing like technology has no impact on the wine industry. And that's probably the thing that I love the most about it. You know, we, we could use the same equipment that people were using 30 years ago and still make good wine. So, you know, I do have modern equipment now, but that it's so modern. I bought it in 1998 and it's not obsolete. Actually, That's I bought great. part of it in the 2000s, but it's a cool industry and it's fun to create things. And 
I was fortunately, you know, my I God given, I have a good palate and love wine and food. So it's been it's been a great road. That's awesome because a lot of people that's what they're really want to do is to follow their passion. And I mean I'm not saying not for people not to follow their passion, but there's sometimes you just kind of have to see the writing on the wall too. I know. Um, sometimes it's time to give up. I, I get that. And there were many times when I should have, and I, I didn't. How has your background helped you with winemaking process or starting the business? You mean my educational background or my social background? Okay, let's say both. <laughs> my social background helped me a lot because I grew up drinking great wine and eating great food. And so I was already used to that. And so I had a built-in appreciation for the finer things in life. I mean, I would say I still do like the finer things in life. So, yeah, I think having all that and, of course, from an educational standpoint, there's the sales and marketing part. But I think we take all of the positives we have and focus on that because Anytime you're an entrepreneur or have a business, it's hard. You know, it's challenging and it's really easy to be hard on yourself. And it's easy to look at some of the, you know, it's easier to look at the failures and the accomplishments. And so, I don't know, I just like to spend as much time as I can focusing on the positive, positive things that have brought me here today. But I can tell you right now, no matter what you own, it's going to be challenging because it's challenging to own a business. So what's kind of been the greatest challenge for you within the business? Well, the greatest and the worst challenge has been the financial part because I had, you know, financial stress is the worst stress there is, in my opinion. It's made me persevere and it's made me be more creative. And I think the most important thing to remember for any business person or owner of land or no matter, or RV, whatever it is, times change. And I've been through a lot of economic fluctuations in my career. 9-11 was particularly bad. There was 2008, COVID. And I think the most important thing to remember is to be as fluid as possible when there's change because you have to change yourself and change your business. I mean, the worst thing one can be is, is stagnant about what's happening and you have to have a very high awareness level of the surroundings for sure. I mean, that's very important. So how have you been able to generate your income and have success as a winemaker and a landowner? Well, it's all about selling. And, you know, fortunately, I have, I'm surrounded by really good people who are good salespeople and can help me market things. But if you can't sell, then that's going to be the biggest problem that will, that will transpire. So, you know, sales is the problem of and solution to everything, for sure. You have great strategies in sales and then everything else, you're wearing a bunch of hats. Obviously. And so what's kind of been the biggest struggle as far as learning, learning wise in the, the business or in the industry? That's a tough question. You're, you're asking me the hardest thing to sort of learn. Well, actually, the 
because I'm in an ego-driven industry, like I'm creating a product that I created. So I'm not, I'm not purchasing something and reselling it. I'm selling something I have made. And it's really hard to not make everything too personal. So I have to sort of step aside a little bit so that, you know, I understand that there is subjectivity. And if somebody doesn't like my wine, it can hurt my feelings. That's ridiculous when you're a business owner. Yeah, it's, that's something that happens with me because I'm actually, my background is design. So there's sometimes where you get, you know, emotionally attached to something yeah. and you have to learn to know when to pull back, especially if you have clients and with you, you have customers. Yes, I do. I do. And that's, yeah, it's, it's important to be subjective and make good decisions for sure. So can you discuss some of the strategies or approaches that you've created for passive income through your business? Well, passive income is interesting because, you know, basically I'm assuming the concept is that you're, you're getting income without having to exert all the effort. Like I'm not doing the sales, for instance. So I think it's good. I, I try to make sure that I always present something that's good for people. And I really thought that the best way to have passive income was to make good wine and then it's in the tasting room and people will sell it and I can golf. And it doesn't quite work that way. So there still has to be some sort of management that takes place. And, and I think it's just, I've learned because I have a, extremely good general manager. I've learned that the employee, they, they need attention. You know, they, you can't just take off and hope for the best. And as much as I'd love to do that, I'm still not very good at golf, but you know, I'd love to just take off and enjoy the day, but it, it just can't happen like that. However, if you hire a good person, which I've done and they can manage things properly and they understand the sales cycle, that's a, that's a good way to earn passive income. And, you know, it's ultimately what we all want. I mean, the reason we own businesses is for that reason. Right. Because most of the sexual businesses I've seen is that they have are able to hire great employees, sometimes even smarter than them, just because they're able to pick up things fast and then you just teach them business and then they're able to take on the ownership that you have. But I think that requires ownership in the company. I don't think people really take on ownership unless they are incentivized to do that. But, you know, so far, only one person actually has ownership in my business. Why did you choose to be a sole entrepreneur versus having a partner? Because I don't play well with other people sometimes. And honestly, uh, I, especially as a creative leader, as opposed to a you know, what I'm doing is very subjective. It's not objective. And I, you know, I, I wish I could come up with an example. Let's say that I sold cookware because I'm sitting in my kitchen right now. Then, okay, it's, you know, we all know what's better, what's, what cooks, but, you know, this is just a little bit different. And partners can come in and decide that, that it's a waste of time to check vineyards, you know, or it's a waste of time to travel to markets to sell wine. And uh, I just like being in the position where I can make all the decisions. And 
you know, it's like the old, I don't know, there's this old movie called Arthur. It's like I have weekends off. I try praise, you know, I am my own boss, that type of thing. But on top of that, it's, I just have seen so many partnerships that don't work. And no matter how friendly they are at the beginning, people have different goals. And, and in the wine industry, more so than, you know, so one industry I know well, it's pretty crazy how often the creative person who started it, you know, the, like, let's say I had a bunch of investors for Selby. There's a really good chance that Susie Selby, the one who's pushed out because I'm being, you know, I'm golfing when I shouldn't, or I'm, you know, out at, at cat rescue or whatever I'm doing. You know? So I have to be, I don't know. I, I, I've been resistant, but it's extremely rare. It, to be honest, I've been told that I am the only female internationally in the industry who has no partners, investors, husband, you know, any male involved whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of that. That's great. And, and how's that helped you in the industry? Well, it's helped me from the standpoint, it's helped me personally because I'm making all the decisions. On the other hand, you know, it's hard making decisions by yourself. And I don't think it's helped me in the industry at all because it's not, I don't, I mean, because I don't, it's nothing I talk to people about. I mean, I, I think right. if I decided to use it as a point of promotion or used it for marketing purposes, it could potentially be helpful. But, you know, instead it's, it's just, you know, it's unique. And I, I truly didn't realize that most people actually have other people involved until, until the last like several years, but it's more common to have investors than it's not evidently. Explain to me a couple of things because I'm really interested in your story and what's been your biggest product as far as the wine that you guys make? Oh, you mean the specific product? Yeah. Like what's well, your top seller or what goes oh, into well, into making decisions to make other products? Well, my biggest seller is my Sauvignon Blanc, my Chardonnay, but I make about 15 different wines. And one of the great things is when you're the national sales manager and the winemaker, Nobody can complain about what you choose to make. So if I'm going to go into some crazy varietal, like who can complain? So it it reinforces my both my creative and my sales. And you know, I assure you, Dustin, I have made mistakes. Like you know, I decided that you know I've made decisions. Like I thought, like a lot of dry riesling was a good idea. It's not, but it was good. But it's just not. There's not a market for it. So, so I certainly have learned a lot of things the hard way, but usually it only takes twice for me to learn it. Well, that's good. Cause th that's obviously the biggest <laughs> learning thing that you do is learning from your mistakes. And then, you know, like you're saying, being fluid and I'm sure that served you well with your business. So what are some factors or considerations that other people should keep in mind embarking in ventures? I think my advice would be that assume no matter what you're going to do, it's going to be twice as expensive as you thought it was going to be. And maybe assume that it's going to be twice as challenging as you think it's going to be. And then put yourself in that place of thought and decide whether you really love it so much that you're willing to go through whatever you have to go through because 
you know, if somebody had told me that I would be sitting here on your fabulous show, Dustin, in 2023, but, you know, between 1997, when my dad passed away, and between now, these are all the things I would go through. I would say, there is no way I'm going to go through. So, but, you know, on the other hand, it's, it's rewarding. It's rewarding to make people happy. And, you know, fortunately, I produce a product that brings people together. I mean, people have it at weddings. I've had, you know, famous athletes and actors and, you know, I've, I've done, it's been in the White House quite a bit. So, you know, cool things have happened and, and really interesting people have enjoyed my wine. So, you know, I guess take all the satisfaction with some of the challenging decisions that are made. Yeah, take the bad with the good, right? Because like you got to learn to, you know, kind of relish in your successes and then not wallow so much in your, in your pitfalls and just learn from those. True. And, and actually the other thing I would say is I know that there are a lot of, there are people who own property who watch this. And I think sometimes it's really important to try to ignore economic indicators and your friends and social, like just ignore people sometimes, like appreciate what you have and uh, don't let people get into your head about where things are going and how bad they can be. And uh, because anybody who has decided to own a piece of property or own, I think you, it's, it's a lot of people, RV locations and things like that. I mean, be proud of it. And I think also that that's sort of the, you know, COVID sort of brought that out as our future. And so, you know, good for all of you who decided to do that. And owning land is is always magical, no matter what, in my opinion. Yep. I agree, because it's kind of one of the one resource you can't really reproduce. I mean, they're not going to make more land unless you're in Hawaii. And so, right. <laughs> so it's just like one of those things where it's, typically appreciate some value. And a lot of people don't know how to really u- utilize their land to where they're able to m- make the money or make it a passive income. Uh, and that, that's one of the great things about our platform that we try to do f- for our viewers and landowners is that we actually offer landowners to host our viewers. I so want to comment on that. So I I own, you know, I have a tasting room and I have a, so the one other thing I would say strongly as this 20 plus year veteran in the hospitality industry, never underestimate how important hospitality is. People appreciate it more than you will ever know. And I, I've had people, you know, during the fires, you know, in Northern mm-hmm. California, we had fires. I had people show up yeah. and they had just left Houston from the hurricane. They spent the night in the parking lot. We we had them drink wine. And I, I mean, hospitality, no matter how bad a mood you were in, and, and this is actually, I'm bringing up my general manager, but it's one of the things he taught me. Like, they want to see you. They, they appreciate it. I mean, a bottle of water means everything to someone. And, you know, you might think people don't appreciate things or they're taking advantage or they're not being as gracious as they should be. The more gracious you are back, the more will come back to you. And it comes back to you as a person and it comes back to you financially as well. So it's, you know, never forget that. I think that's important. I 100% agree. That's kind of like one of the things I 
really hit home on the podcast as just just being gracious with the things that you have and the talent mm-hmm. that you have because sometimes it, you never know how much it could affect someone like you were saying and and it could go a long way it's just that ripple effect and then you could see those fruits and you could see the changes in others and you could see how that light gonna kind of switches on oh yeah my wine ended up in the White House because I was very kind to somebody one day, and it's it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, because you never know. You never, like, there's so many decisions that you make, and then that one decision, the small decision, can be make the world difference, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and people, you know, everybody, I don't know, sometimes we see pe- groups of people, we come them, see them coming through our properties or seeing them as our guests or whatever, and it's easy to sort of disconnect but you know they're all individual they are going through things they're having good days or bad days and you know that's what hospitality is all about that's one of the reasons why you should join a glass of wine <laughs> just you know, oh, kick back you think and- i don't have la- <laughs> uh, uh, are you serious <laughs> exactly. I do. <laughs> are you crazy of course yes <laughs> I meant people in general. Yes, enjoy a glass yes. of wine. That's yes. what we re- recommend. Another th- thing that I love about you is you let your personality show. And I think that's really great for what you do and the business that you offer. If someone's not, has the personality that you do, what kind of advice do you have for those people that are maybe more introverted or not as outgoing as you? Well, I I started I was shy when I started in this business and I I've become more I've, I've become more outgoing I mean there's no question about that but I'm in a I'm in a very snobby industry for lack of a better word I could say I could be polite and say arrogant but there are a lot of snobs in this industry and uh, I don't know I just I just think there's no place for that in general and the the number one thing that I care about with any guest or any person you know even even when I was with like let's say I was at the White House with the staff and stuff like that. Just make them feel comfortable and be yourself. And even if you're quiet or shy, I think if you make a concerted effort to make somebody feel good and comfortable, then you're going to be okay. You know, just make them. And and sometimes we get intimidated. Like you could meet somebody famous or or you think somebody, like somebody shows up and they're, ridiculously expensive, you know, Mercedes Sprinter or tricked out, whatever, and assume the best or at least treat them as well as you can. And they're probably going to end up being nice. And if they're not, that's their problem, not yours. Right. I'm sure that's how you've been interacting with Mike Evans and, you know, (laughs) back to Mike Evans. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. It's funny that you're a true Tampa Sorry, Bay yeah. fan. No, no, it was a, it was a, and I, I was invited to that by a friend of mine. It was sort of a last minute thing and it was just this crazy golf tournament, but, but it was fun. And, That's you know, great. I met some, you know, this guy walked up because I didn't, I wasn't, didn't have the full awareness of who was there. This guy walked up, oh, would you like to wear my Super Bowl ring? I was like, sure. So. I think if you're just cool and nice, it comes back. Well, yeah. And then not only that, it's a great opportunity for you to connect, make network. You're able to make 
different type of connections with others. When you're going out to events and you're you're doing those wine tastings or going to golf tournaments, how often are you bringing up your business or do you, or does that come up at all or what you know, kind of? I try not, I should do it more and I don't, but I gave Mike a bottle of my wine and, and some of the other players. And the one thing I'm bad at and anybody's listening to the show, you know, this is about, this is a financial show and about doing well. Self-promote, self-promote. I have been terrible about it and I would be so much further along if I had spent more time self-promoting in my career. You know, I, I'm way too, you know, I'm not self-deprecating necessarily. Mm-hmm. I joke around, you know, but but I, I've really done a poor job of of spouting my the interesting things I've done and and I've I've accomplished some pretty amazing, you know, goals as far as awards on wines and things like that. So, you know, I say, you know, if you can let people know your success without being a braggart, for lack of a better word, then it's a good thing to do because I'm terrible at that. I mean, I have you sneaking. Hey, you have you're you're very humble, and that's a great quality. I'm, I'm I am, humble, but yeah. whole, this is my golf ball from the tournament. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's great. I'm sorry. Okay, I know nobody else cares about Mike Evans, but us, still. Well, this is just for us. This is this is fun. <laughs> Our moment. <laughs> yeah. What's kind of some a final advice that you'd have or a message you'd like to share to our listeners? Let's see. Oh my gosh. Well, I can safely say that I have, I have made so many mistakes and I've learned from all of them. And I've been very, very good about turning something bad into a positive. And, you know, perhaps it's just psychological, but you know, we're, we're about to go, or maybe we're on, it feels like we're on the edge of some potentially challenging times. And I think now's the time to be as positive as possible. And unless we, unless we are very conscientious about, about going, okay, stock market's down, I've lost things here, I, you know, my land value's gone down or whatever it is, you've got to like come up with two or three things that are are better than that. Like I just had, you know, I have this child who's excelling at something. I mean, no matter what it is, I have this great ragdoll cat that <laughs> I don't know. That you know, it's it's easy to get into a bad place psychologically, especially when things are challenging financially. And uh, you've just got to get yourself in a in a good in a good place, or you're not going to be able to sell, and you're not, you're not your marketing abilities are going to be limited. So. You know, the head headspace is really important. Very, very important. How have you diversified within your business? Because we're talking a little low about falling on this could potentially be hard times. You kind of referenced 9-11, 2008. What were the things that were able to do to where you're able to diversify and kind of see your way through those economic challenges? Well, 9-11 was, 9-11, I was the first winemaker to go travel to places. And it, it was... I took advantage of the fact that everything was, you know, the country just like stopped buying wine. I know a lot of, a lot of, you know, I'm older than a lot of people are listening to this, but it was a disaster. And I took advantage of cheap travel and I went out and I went on the road. I stayed in horrible hotels and sold as much wine as I could to sort of pull myself out of that. 
In 2008, I took advantage of the fact that my price points are lower than most wineries. And I really focused on lower price points and I was able to get some deals in country clubs or restaurants, wherever I could. You know, I'm scrappy that way. Like I, I find opportunities. And so during the pandemic, I started delivering wine. I mean, I literally was driving around delivering wine to people. And part of it was because I, I just felt like everybody should have access to wine during the pandemic. But, you know, on top of that, it, I just wanted people to feel better. You know, those were scary times. And uh, so I think remaining fluid and looking for opportunities, things like, like maybe those of you on land, but if you built beehives and, and started selling honey or, or started doing something that interests you personally, like even if you don't care that much about what your business is, if you have a personal interest, let's say you paint or you do crafts and you can sort of incorporate that and sell it or not sell it or show it off. Like it, it just makes it more fun. And, you know, that's what we all want to do is have a fun time. And that's, that's something we stress about too as a company, because we even have a challenge course for landowners to where they can actually determine what they want to do with their land and how they could market it. And, and so if anyone's interested, anyone's interested in while living, listen to this podcast, we have a, a free five-day challenge to where you could go to agritourismchallenge.com and you could participate in that five-day challenge. And we give you some tips and tricks on how to market, how to tap into government resources on how to get more cash to help develop your business. So there's a lot of information that we have on there as well. That's awesome. And do you know, people are terrified of paperwork. So the fact that they should take advantage of that. I mean, yeah. seriously, I think the biggest, I, the biggest problem, especially people in the ag industry and land and that type of thing, is fear of paperwork. So mm -hmm. if they have you as a resource for that, that's huge. Yeah. And that's something, one of the reasons why we have this podcast, we want to make sure people get a education of whatever it is. If it's, you know, having a farm, a vineyard, winery, whatever it is. You know, obviously you mentioned it's a little difficult to get in the winery industry. I've had people where they started and it taken 10 years for them to have a sexual business. And so a lot of it's just being pers persistent and perseverance for perseverance through what those challenges like you had mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, it's important, but I don't know, land is everything. So it's a cool I mean, it's a wonderful thing to own. So, yep, I agree. I agree with that. Where, for those that are listening, where can they find you, or what kind of services do you have offered? Do you offer a tasting room or tours? I do have a tasting room in beautiful downtown Healdsburg, and I can safely say that Healdsburg is one of the greatest little towns in the United States. It is a hidden treasure, and it's like. You know, tonight, every Tuesday night, we have music in the square and open containers are allowed from four to eight and that type of thing. But it's just a, it's just picturesque. And we're a, we're a small town. We've got shopping and world-class restaurants. And anyway, I'm, I'm sort of in the heart of that whole community. But yeah, so people can find my wines by going to my website at Selby Winery. 
S-E-L-B-Y. It's not Shelby. There's no H. (laughs) But but if any any of you, including you, Dustin, and your wife, if you can ever come visit and you all let me know where you heard about me, I promise there's no tasting fee. Just show up and well, I've got a I've got a really fantastic young staff and they're happy to help you. I might be on the golf course, but if I know you're there, I will still make sure that you get a complimentary tasting. That's great. We appreciate it. So we'll put that also in the link in the bio. Any other platforms like social media that you would like us to have on the online or within the podcast? Um, I don't know how to get into my Facebook account, but I know there's Selby Winery on Facebook. And I also am on Instagram, a Selby Winery. And I'm the person in charge of the social media. And that's why there was a photo of me and Mike Evans golfing. <laughs> if there were a professional doing it, it never would happen because I wouldn't have known who he was. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that photo. It got, perked my interest. I mean, I'm sure it's going to perk other people's interests as well. It's, it's cool to see that side of you, of you. And the company, because a lot of people are more formal, but you're showing more of a personality and it's really, really shows throughout the business. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's just been fun. I appreciate it a lot. It, it shows throughout because you're a firm person, obviously. And then it, it shows that your passion throughout your business and your winery, it, it has your fingerprints all over it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll come back anytime. We appreciate it. And hopefully we won't have technical difficulties. Oh, there's. <laughs> it's doesn't uh, matter. It's operator, not, not the equipment. No, it's fine. Operator error that happens. Don't yeah. worry about it. All right. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. Thank for your patience and being on with us. And again, we appreciate your information and what you have to offer. And we look forward to speaking to you with Ian. Okay. Thank you so much, Dustin. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. Curb and Turf works like Airbnb, but we help RVers to find land where they can park when they're traveling. Make more money from your land. Please visit CurbandTurf.com to list your property. 